guest interviews, music and more. From the Radio Mystic Music Network. Radio Mystic. It's the Radio Mystic Podcast, November 2023. That means winter is right around the corner, folks. And in my mind, there is one man who can lay down the tracks for the winter season. In fact, any season like no other. I like to call him the Gandalf of contemporary instrumental music, five-time Grammy nominee, David Arkenstone. Thanks for being here, David. Thank you for having me, Pete. It's a pleasure. I, I got to say, Grammy nominated has got to be a great line at parties, right? You know, <laughs> it's it's a thrill to be nominated, you know, because it's it's a cliche, but it's so true. You know, you when you make an album, at least I don't, uh, I don't think about the Grammys when I'm making music. Uh, and when it happens, it's always a surprise and, and I'm, I'm always jazzed. That's awesome. Yeah. See, I would kind of take advantage of it and try to use it to get discounts on electric bills and stuff, you know? Hello, this is yeah. Grammy nominated <laughs> David Arkenstone calling to pay my bill. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably too humble for that. I don't know. I should maybe ramp it up. So I want to start, we're going to talk about Winterlude here and then we'll get with your uh, winter tour as well. But I wanted to kind of go back to the beginning a little bit. Uh, when you first started, I know in high school and college, you were in progressive rock. Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. We had a band, uh, I'd say it was a cross between Styx, Emerson Lake and Palmer and Tchaikovsky. Nice. <laughs> and that's what it's all about, right? Mixing the genres and well, coming up with something unique. Uh, yeah, and I did most of the writing, and the, and I loved all those all those kinds of music. So I just threw them all in the songs we played. <laughs> that's great. Now, do you have albums that did you guys release albums? No, at all no, we were always on the hunt for the record deal and the manager. And you know, at the time we were doing in our heyday, it was the era of skinny tie music and new wave and. You know, people were like, I don't know, these guys sound too much like the Moody Blues, which I thought was a great compliment. <laughs> but they uh, we never connected with them. I only connected with the, the right people after I left that band. You know, I, I don't want to like timestamp either one of us here, but I started listening to your music way back in the uh, <clears throat> late 1980s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I first ran across your track on this lovely little album here. Oh, the, yeah. The uh, Narada Christmas, you know, yeah. one of my favorites. Uh, and I, I decided I needed to explore more of your work. So I picked up uh, Valley in the Clouds, which I think was your first album. It Is was. Right? I'm kind of curious, wh at what point did you move? Did you decide, okay, I'm kind of done with the rock thing and the band and, and the live stuff. I want to move in my own direction. Well, even with the rock band, I had other songs that didn't fit the rock band so much. Uh, and after we just slogged and slogged and then pretty soon I had two children it was like how long can I keep slogging you know right. rehearsing four nights a week painting houses during the day whatever I was doing uh, and then having a couple kids it was just like my heart I mean I still had the passion but it was like how can I make this work and I thought you know we're just not getting anywhere stop that band thing just focus on on just writing uh, instrumental stuff which I had already had quite a few songs like that. And it, it was at that point that I, I came up with like eight or 10 songs that I thought, this is kind of cool. And then I went to Tower Records and there was one bin, <laughs> there was one bin of new age albums because I thought that was probably the genre that, that it would fit. And uh, I got some addresses and wrote them down and sent out these cassettes. And uh, incredibly, like four, four companies got back to me. I mean, wow. after, after 
going so hard against that wall of, of being a rock band and, and playing arenas, I got I got this flow back and I was just like, wow, maybe maybe this is the right path. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it was. So David Arkenstone sits down to create something new. Do you find that you start with a theme or a direction in mind? Or do you just sit down at the keyboard or laptop and just start playing and see what comes out? I do I do both. Because because a lot of times I'll just sit down and start playing, see if, whether I'm playing guitar or keyboards or I have a new sample library. I'll just play around, see what comes out and then and then put it up, not on the on the shelf, but the temporary shelf of like, OK, right. well, let's see. Let's see what I can get together. Other times, like with Winterlude, it was like, I want to make a, a record about winter. I just I've been thinking about it for like five years and I did Solitude, which sort of touched it like about three years ago and it had a little bit of winter theme but i just really wanted to nail it and 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 do my impressions of what winter means to me so in that one and the one previous which was music inspired by middle earth volume two that was specific this is what i'm going to write about then it comes down to uh figuring out what your palette is going to be for that project like with winterlude you know there's there's not there's very little percussion on it uh it's most it's like piano based and a lot of strings and ethereal things because that's that's how i communicate what mint winter is sort of to me whereas middle earth is like i got an orchestra here this is an orchestra it's not about being being seasonal it's about what the books mean to me and and trying to find some things that i can illustrate so it, it happens both ways but a lot of times i will sit down and just play around and see what happens and then usually within a year or two i find somewhere for it to go <laughs> nice <laughs> see and i got to imagine these days especially with technology like compared to when you first started out it's it's just crazy to be able to sit down and have an orchestra on your laptop right i mean it's just it it blows my mind there's two things about that that i think of when you mention that one is how awesome it is for kids to get their hands on this technology you know a 13 14 15 year old kid i would have I would have done anything to, to have that. The second thing is anybody can do it. So there's a flood of music out there that the listener has to be a little bit more savvy to cut through to find what they enjoy, I think. Exactly. But overall, the, the greatest thing is that kids can have this in their hands, I think. I'm going to confess, I bought a keyboard five years ago. Hey. And uh, <laughs> got some instruments, you know, the virtual instruments. Right. I swear to you, I sat down, pressed a key, and I was like, oh my God, mm -hmm. I am an ambient musician. This is amazing. <laughs> and I was kind of hoping that the technology would mask my incompetence, mm -hmm. but, you know, it didn't. And so <laughs> I, I, I leave the music to you guys. Oh. I play it, I curate it, you know, but I play around with it once in a while, but just, just playing with it is amazing that the instruments sound so real, Yeah, you know, as compared to a, playing the actual instrument, which you also do, you play tons of instruments yourself. I play some, but, but there's a lot in, in the sampling world that I don't play. Like mm -hmm. I don't play saxophone or violin and I love both those instruments and, and I have used them a lot. Not saxophone so much, but violin. But that that ship has sailed for me. Like if I was five, maybe I could start violin. But you know, because I play with <laughs> violinists, and they're like, 
oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't want to go there. I'd rather just play with somebody, do what I do. You know, I, I, I think it was Clint Eastwood who said a man's got to know his limitations, but I don't feel limited by the technology, but sometimes I don't have the time to practice. Because I'm just ruining it. I want to write stuff and make songs and do epic things or or do concept things. And and if I come to a, a guitar thing that I have to really learn, like for this tour coming up, I have to relearn a bunch of songs that I wrote, you know, over the last 20 years or whatever. And so that's kind of fun. That practicing is fun. But but getting better, like to be a virtuoso at something is not in my future. You're a big Lord of the Rings fan like myself. Huge. And over the years, you've brought that epic fantasy sound to a lot of your own productions, which I love. So speaking about a trilogy, okay, we've got these three. Okay. So, nice. Yeah. In the Wake of the Wind, mm -hmm. obviously nominated for a Grammy here, but you completed that trilogy with the rest of these. And in each one of these, you not only did the music, but you paired up with an author, an illustrator to actually create an interactive experience. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, in the wake of the wind, I don't know. Uh, I really worked with a, a producer, Eric Lindert at Narada Records at that time, um, who was super helpful with that record because we had done uh, Citizen of Time, which was my third album. And that was really a loose kind of concept album, really loose. And I thought, okay, people like that. It went to number one on the Billboard New Age chart. It's like, okay, maybe I'm in the right spot. So we get, came up with the story, and then I, I kind of wrote the soundtrack to this experience that I wanted to have. And then, and then it was like, oh, God, can we have a map? You know. <laughs> so we made a map of this place. And uh, even in the uh, record stores at the time, the record company made kites, which are super rare now. I wish I had one. They were like the cover of the record on a kite and it was, you know, st stuck when they knew I was coming, they put it up. You know? No, I think they had it up anyway, because it was an impressive piece of, of, of promotion. But musically, the album tied, tied together pretty well, even though it was still a little loose, because I had some songs and I, I didn't shoehorn them in, but I had to rearrange some things to make it uh, cohesive. And it, it just worked so well. People at shows and, and, and emails I get, it's like, oh, I first heard In the Wake of the Wind. I mean, that's where they first heard of me. Even though I had three previous records and compilations that I was on, that was the one that broke through somehow. By that time, even radio wasn't doing, playing so much of that. You know, I used to be on these these wave stations mm -hmm. like Valley in the Clouds and that song Ancient Legend which was on that album was I'd hear it on the radio and then they their format veered more to something else safe sax my friend called it yeah. but uh, <laughs> we I wasn't I just wasn't there anymore and you know, I kind of fell off that radar and so right. uh, when in the wake of the wind I don't even know how it, it did what it did but it broke through uh, some other place and then once it was, once it was successful of course it's like oh well let's just continue the story and and we got together with uh, Mercedes Lackey who had written all kinds of fantasy books and she did the second and Return of the Guardians too your own trilogy in the, in the style of Lord of the Rings basically and I got to show everybody this is the map from in the wake of the wind here hold on a second <laughs> so if you can do that yeah look at I mean, that that's, 
totally beautiful stuff. I mean, it's just, oh, you know, it really immerses the listener in the music. And I love when musicians do that. And that's what really enthralls me about a lot of the work that you do. Yeah, when you get passionate about it, you kind of take it, you just keep taking it further and further. And it's like, it's hard to know when the project's over. You know, it's like, oh, well, couldn't we do this? Couldn't we do that? There's a there's a little clip uh, on the on YouTube uh, of the making of Wake of the Wing, and it's not really a making of. It's just I found some old tapes that my brother had shot while we were recording. He plays drums, and, and we all kind of took turns with the camera. But there's a shot when the artist comes in and spreads the map out on the studio floor. It's in black and white, and we were just so thrilled. Wow, that's cool. You know, it's really kind of cool. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I mean, the, the creativity, like I said, of your, of your stuff just blows me away. And one of the other albums that I've got that I wanted to ask you about was something that I've never experienced before, buying an album from an artist that actually came with instructions on how to listen to it. Okay, so this is <laughs> Myths and Legends, right? Yeah. This is like a three, no, okay, two CD set plus a DVD, folks. Check this out. I mean, this is so beautiful as well. Okay. So the concept behind this just blew me away. I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm supposed to play a CD in two different players and listen on different speakers. And and it. I did this. I literally bought a second CD player oh, to do this. Thank you for doing that. For this album, okay? <laughs> and it was, I mean, it's amazing because if you start the second CD at any point, really, you know, like a little bit off, it just gives it a totally different, you know, it's different every time when you listen to it and then they both right. enhance each other. Tell me about, I mean, how did you come up with this? I had never heard of anybody doing that before. I, I had heard of something like that, but then it was my son who had an album by, I don't remember, I think it might've been a man, band called Neurosis pretty hard, dark, ambient, you know, droney guitars and things like that. And I think they had something like that, which I never even listened to. I just, when I heard it, I thought, oh, this would be great. But the work it took, so you take the song, you've written the song, you've, you've mixed it, everything, to make something that's gonna enhance that and not step on it, right? you know, was so much work, I couldn't believe it. And there's probably only a few people that have actually done what you did. Um, but every once in a while I hear of somebody doing it. Because if you start the players, like within five seconds of each other or so, it's fine all the way to the end. There's nothing that's synced. It's all like, like the, the Mysteries disc is all just what it is, just ambient stuff in the same key of whatever song we were in. And there's even some spoken word in the Legend of Bell Rock and it was, it was just amazing. Yeah, you know, I've listened to that second CD just on its own sometimes, but then pairing it with the other CD and the different interactions that go on when you just start them at different times, the whole dynamic is really, really cool. I had to really think about that, you know, because there wasn't, there was no way anything was going to sync up. You ask your friend or your wife, okay, ready? You hit, the, <laughs> hit them both at the same time. They still, they still drift. Like I try, I'd experiment with songs. And so that, that had to be sort of an ambient thing. Uh, and then I, and then I listened to the disc by itself and I was like, wow, this is like pretty cool. It can be so much more than just creating a track these days. I mean, for creative people, you take it to the next level. Like I find in my own projects, I kind of do the same thing. I want to enhance it and expand it. And then it just grows into something beyond what I thought it could be, you know? You understand then, you know, he's like, you, you, you start with something and then 
like you, I start with the music and it's like, okay, it's time to think about the cover. You know, it's time to think about those years when I would get LPs with gatefolds and, and read this stuff and look at giant art, you know, that the CD is, is, is you know, it escaped that. Now it's coming back, which is great. Uh, and I was really happy about that two years ago when we did uh, Middle Earth album because I found an artist from um, Slovenia and, and he does beautiful painting. He was, he was a total Tolkien fan and it was a great blend. And I was happy when I got the albums because I had to wait eight months because it's like a double album and it took forever for them to manufacture it. But uh, it was so great to see it. You know, I felt like it was like, yeah, this is, this is the way it should be, you know. And then, and then I met a guy at a show and he said, oh, I'd love to help you with some videos sometime. And I was like, you shouldn't have asked me because I want to do nine videos. And so we did that. And that was, uh, I think, 2006 or seven. And, and he, he's still my friend, though. So that's, that's cool. But he had, a, he had a good knowledge of cameras and, and CGs. He works for Marvel now. So Johnny Wilson is the name. Okay, let's chat a little bit about this one. Ambient World. This was the first electronic ambient, I think, that I had heard from you, and I was blown away. I loved it because I wasn't used to hearing that from David Arkenstone, and I find that I go back to this one over and over. It's becoming, you know, hot rotation in my personal playlists. On that note, I have a friend who works at a radio station in Milwaukee, and and she somehow that's this album missed her and until... 10 years later or whatever and she was like this is my favorite album you've ever done and i was like wow but uh yeah i went to we went to tokyo my son was going to school there now he has a phd in japanese literature which is wow. unreal to me <laughs> but um kids he's over there doing like a year abroad like like you do when you're in college and so me and two of my brothers went over there just to visit and have him sort of be our guide tokyo is unbelievable. I mean, it's like, I am from Los Angeles, which is huge and spread out, but Tokyo is like 17 cities all stuck to each other, wow. kind Amazing. of. It's just it's an architecture and endless neon and energy. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably more akin to five or six New York cities in a way. But every once in a while you'll see there's a park, you know, and it's like I did a song that's gotten a lot of airplay called By a Moving River. And it was just this river that kind of ran through the city. And it was and it was a little moment of quietness, like by this palace or something. But anyway, I came home with all these memories and I thought, you know, and I was starting to play guitar a little more ambient and just using a lot of reverb and, and long reverbs and things like that. And um, and then pretty soon I had, you know, too much for one CD because that's a double scene. Yes, it it's is. It's like, okay. <laughs> Love it. Again, I, I just kept going. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't not put that song in there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> David Arkenstone so, and Ambient, like Deeper Ambient was like a thrill for me. Freaking amazing. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do, I actually have a couple songs toward an, uh, an Ambient World 2. So that'll probably come nice. out in the next couple of years. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Can't wait for that. You know, over the years, your music for me personally, I'm sure for a lot of other people has become a kind of a defining sound for winter and the holidays. So when David Arkenstone announces, hey guys, I've got a new winter album coming out. It's like, David, here's my wallet. Can you just take as much money <laughs> as you want and send it to me? <laughs> Which I yeah. did. Okay, so 
Winterlude is out, ladies and gentlemen, uh, brand new this year from David. And I attended your Facebook. No, it was the Bandcamp live listening party. The listening party. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I picked up this and then wait, because you guys have to see this, the vinyl version. Okay. And just a beautiful yeah. pack, beautiful artwork. But well, I mean, look at this out. Let's just, okay. I just got to show people this. I'm sorry. I'm too excited. Oh, I'm happy. I want you to show the CD too. I mean, look at this. Oh, look at that. Ice. That is it's insane. It's like ice. You know, I mean, I'm kind of a black vinyl guy, but this is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to fit the mood. It does. You know? It does. Let me get the CD out real quick here. Okay. Yeah. And the CD was really, yeah, it's got little grooves in it. You can't see it too well, yeah. but it's got little grooves. So it looks like a little record. <laughs> Very so cool. Cute. Tell me about Winterlude, man. Tell, I mean, I know you, you mentioned earlier you wanted to do a winter-themed album. What kind of inspired that, and how'd you go about this one? I think I finally uh, I finally decided to do it after last year when we toured in Colorado. And it was just, you're looking up at the Rocky Mountains half the time. You know, a lot of touring is traveling. It's not the two hours on stage or the one hour of setting up and the one hour of tearing down. It's not that. It's mostly driving somewhere right. to the next city. And so you get to see landscapes and you're not always on a freeway. Sometimes you're on a, you know, a mountain road or wherever the, the, the town that you're going to play in is. And, you know, we were passing 14 foot, 14,000 foot mountains all the time. It was just, and it's all white and it's just beautiful. And we got a little bit of snow on that tour, but not as much as I had hoped, which I told people at the concerts, they're like, hey, we get enough snow, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to bring any more. But uh, there was a couple short snowfalls, which I just love. I think, it, you know, it reminds me, I grew up in outside of Chicago till I was about eight years old. Okay. And so we just played in the snow all the time. And there's a moment that I think defined it for me, which is when you are in a snowfall, especially if the flakes are big, it's silent. You can be 50 feet from a freeway and you won't hear it. I mean, it's so acoustic, acoustically deadening. Right. And it's, and it's just beautiful. And, and when I thought of those moments, that then I just really decided to, I'm, I gotta get this on, on paper, right. <laughs> as a writer would say. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I sketched out a bunch of songs and figured out what what aspects of winter, you know, resonate with me. And uh, I, I, there was a time when I was in Switzerland in the winter and it was just like, you're in like a Christmas village, you know, you have these miniature Christmas villages, like you were in Beetlejuice or something, you went into this little village. <laughs> and uh, I, so there's a couple songs that are inspired by that and some lakes. And, I, and I, even on the PR, I say, it's an it's an idealized winter because it's it's from me and what I experience and what I feel like I want to hear when I think of winter. Right. You know, that's what I write about. And and that's what makes it idealized. I don't write about the the March when it's still snowing and people are like, OK, that's enough, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, or oh, look at all this slush or snow I have to shovel. You know, right. that's not part of this. <laughs> exactly. Somebody needs to do an album yeah. about the realities of winter. That would be interesting. <laughs> right. There's a strange part of me that, not strange, I guess, because an artist is probably the same way. A visual artist, 
they make art they would like to see. And I make music that I can listen to. Exactly. You know, and and if I listen 20 years later, maybe I go, mm, maybe that synth sound isn't, I wouldn't use that today, but the song still has merit. And then I put I push it out there into the world and marketplace. And, and when people, when it resonates with people, I, I still feel great about that. Do you have a, a track on the album that in particular you are, are proudest of? The fir- first track, the warm lights flicker is important and the and the kisses from the falling snow which is kind of like what i was just talking about experiencing and then the last track whispers of the winter wind are probably my favorites one of my personal favorites from this one is darkening skies that song we play in concert now you know i wasn't sure how i was going to shake out you know you play you make a record and it's like okay well <laughs> we're doing a tour and the album just came out it's like i got to play something from it <laughs> you know so we play that and the opening track and and it's 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 a wonderful it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. Yeah, because it because it morphs. You know, when you when you hand this to other musicians, because I did that all myself except for a cellist. Wow. You know, the Winterlude album, and when you hand it to a band, it's like they put their own spin on it. You know, yeah, there's notes that that you ask them to play, but you get a lot more than that. You know, which is the great thing about having a band. They bring their years of experience or 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 the way they like to play, you know, because the notes can sound different from player to player, even the same page of sheet music. So it's really a lot of fun to watch that happen. Speaking of the band, you just wrapped up your Pacific Northwest tour, taking a few weeks off, and then you're kicking off the winter tour. I'm excited to see you live in person. Tell me how that's going and, and how that's coming together. You know, it's amazing because we just, we finished the the uh, fall tour in mid-October and I thought, okay, I can I can kind of chill now, you know, for the month of November and the rest of October. But it has not been like that. There's a lot of stuff to prepare for every time you do a tour, you know, right. the venues, the hotels, all that stuff. I decided I needed to have some different set pieces because I took this these fall trees I got from China that were eight feet high. And I took those around on the tour and they were gorgeous, but they don't work for winter. You can't just paint the leaves white, right? you know. So I had to get a whole new set idea, which I got together. And and uh, there's been a lot of planning that I thought I was going to sit around. But but then we went to Yosemite for four days. And then uh, Halloween, I, I went to visit my grandchildren on Halloween. So that was another two days. So now it's like three weeks from rehearsal. So And I'm taking you know. up your time here. See, that's why I'm just like. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. Okay, Pete, Not get off all. the phone. I got to work. <laughs> I'm happy to take a break. I've just been, I've been, as I said before, learning the songs that I need to play. So yeah, I can take a break from practicing. I don't mind that. (laughs) So on your, on your live tour, are there a lot of changes you have to make to a track if you want to go live with it? Yeah, I think so. Because, because a lot of my music, well, actually a lot of it has percussion, but not, not as much as a drummer can actually bring to it in a live concert you know sometimes the percussion is just one of you know so many things but now there's only five of us and one of them's a percussionist so right. but you showed the Narada Christmas album before and my track on that is I saw three ships yep which is the last track on that album and I remember when the album came out I was like wow they put my track last you know I'm so <laughs> bummed out about it until I thought you know that's the last thing people are going to hear when they play the record and it's going to stay with them 
And and now I hear it in I hear it in shopping centers, you know, sometimes <laughs> around the holiday. And it's like, wow, it's so cool. So we play that song, sort of a Emerson Lake and Palmer version of that song. And uh, and then some of the other holiday music. I did a song called Ice Palace from a Wyndham Hill album that we put in the show. And then there's some of my arrangements of of popular songs, nice. you know, that people will recognize. Okay. And then we have a, a really cool portion of the show, which is what we call the campfire section where, cause we're all on stage. You see the whole band there, everybody's on risers and whatever. And then for this part in the second half, we all come down in front of the stage and just sit together in a little semicircle. And it, it, there's so many reasons I like it. I can't even start, but one of them is it feels like we're just, uh, you know, we've shed the electronics, you know, we're just there playing our instruments like a pub band from 1750 or whatever. <laughs> and that part's really cool. Mark and Stone unplugged. <laughs> it is unplugged. And it's, and it's such a moment. And that connects with the audience in a way that I wasn't prepared for. I mean, it, it's really something. And plus the five of us, it's like we're right there, you know, we're, we're a foot and a half away from each other instead of 10 feet. Right. And that makes a difference. Uh, and so it's, it's just a fun, it's a fun moment. And we play some fun songs during that section. And so it all, it all makes beautiful sense. And then we go back to our instruments for the rest of the show. But, but that moment is really, it's, it's, I think it's everybody's favorite <laughs> in the band. <laughs> and it's such a contrast. Like when we play, uh, for example, like I saw three ships or ice palace, those are big, epic kind of songs. And they're fun, but then you have to have some kind of balance, you know? Right. Uh, and that that little part brings a really nice balance to the whole show. Right. Well, I got to tell you what, I can't wait to see you live in concert. The tour kicks off December 1st in Denver. You're going through Colorado, New Mexico, here in Albuquerque, actually, and then Arizona, right? Yeah, we're playing in Phoenix and Tucson and Flagstaff. All the biggies. Beautiful. <laughs> and folks, you can catch those tour dates and get your tickets at davidarkinstone.com. All right, I'm going to flash some of the dates of the concert on the screen here so you can see where David's going to be in December for the winter tour. And folks, if you want a preview of what you can expect on David's live tour, check out his YouTube channel. Uh, so many great videos on there of the live performances. Also, check out Facebook. And join the Arkin fans community on Facebook. Winterlude is out now, ladies and gentlemen. Check this. It's a beautiful album by David Arkinstone. Please purchase that. Support the music uh, and support the artist, man. David, your your music has, and you've heard this before, I'm sure, has become the soundtrack to my life and everyone's life. And personally, for me, I want to thank you for all the hard work that you do to bring this music to us. It's just so amazing to be able to talk with you, and, and I really appreciate it. Well, me too. You know, my gratitude comes from different places. One of them, you take the time to listen, obviously, and others do. If it becomes an important thing in your life, you've listened to a lot of it. And and I'm grateful because the whole thing is like a two-way communication. You know, I sit in my studio, yeah, and I make, and I maybe I don't think about, oh, I, I wonder if anybody will like this because I have to like it first. Right. And so when I like it uh, and, and other people like it, I'm, I'm always amazed and grateful because I get that back, especially in a live situation where, you know, you know if you're, if you're doing something good in a live situation because people will let you know because they're right there with you. Yeah. 
you know, on the journey. And it's, right. it's a cool thing about playing live that you don't get when you, you know, when you do rec records, you put it out there and you think, oh, I wonder who bought that. I know some people bought it, but I wonder who they are. When you play live, you know who they are because they're right there in front of you. So that's a cool thing. It's a cool that's thing. Great. And I'm grateful to you for playing the music on the air because it's so important. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. So I, I wish you all the best on the tour. I can't wait to see you live and good Thanks. luck with the album sales. And Thanks. thank you so much for being here. Gandalf of the contemporary instrumental music, right? <laughs> David Arkenstone, ladies and gentlemen. Mystic.com.